For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, welcome to Moms Talk Autism. We are so excited because we have a special guest for you today, but I'm going to make you hang around uh, until the intro to hear who that is. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. All right, you guys. So I'm really, really excited about the episode today because today we have Katya Piscatelli on with us, aka Boho Speechy on Instagram. And I don't know about you guys, but like I know people on Instagram by their Instagram handle. So anytime I talk about you, Katya, it's well, Boho Speechy just posted. Like it's never Katya just posted. Totally. Uh, but you, <laughs> that's how we refer to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's Boho Speechy. Um, so if you guys don't already follow Katya, please go follow her at Boho Speechy on Instagram. Um, because your reels are like one of my favorite things in the entire world. I watch all of your reels. Um, and Katya, so tell us about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I am a pediatric speech therapist. I've been practicing since 2020, so I'm pretty new to the field. Um, but I had a long background of working with children. Uh, my mom had a daycare growing up and she was also a teacher. So I've always wanted to work with kids um, and kind of stumbled my way into speech therapy. Um, before that, I did some behavioral therapy, and that's what got me really interested in working um, and centering my focus on working with autistic children. So um, that was kind of my gateway into that population. And then from there, I saw what they were doing with their speech therapists and really wanted to do that. So I went to grad school and here we are. And I love that because you had mentioned you have a background in, you know, behavioral health also. And I feel like that's one, maybe when you're newer in the game, you know, to the diagnosis and having a, you know, a child on the spectrum, you don't realize, but those two things can really conflict. Like we've had a lot of struggles personally with, you know, ABA therapists and speech therapists in the mm -hmm. way that they want things done. And so I think one thing I love about you is you have that background. So you know what it's like coming from both places. And the other thing is you mentioned you're relatively new to the game 2020. We're in 2023. Um, but I see that as a strength personally, because I feel like sometimes when we talk to providers who've been in the game for a very long period, they can get very stuck in their way of doing things. So I enjoy talking to people who are maybe a little bit newer into the game because I think a lot of times you're more open-minded into the new research, you know, that is being done. And so why don't you tell everybody kind of what your main focus is? What do you talk about most on your page? Yeah, um, on my page, I focus on Gestalt language, which is basically um, 
Gestalt, a Gestalt language processor is a student who uses mainly delayed echolalia to communicate or at some point did, and perhaps they've moved past that. Um, but yeah, so when we're talking about echolalia, we're talking about Gestalt language. So I give tips for parents and also speech therapists to help our students move from delayed echolalia or scripting, as a lot of us call it, to more self-generated grammar. And, um, you know, everything in between that is also related to child-led therapy, neurodiversity-affirming um, practices, all kind of ties together. And that's another thing that I love about your page is neurodiversity affirming um, therapy, which I think is another reason why your page stuck out so much to me. Um, and we actually at Moms Talk Autism, Lisa Baskin Wright is actually who um, pointed us in your direction. And we've had Lisa mm. on the podcast a couple times before. Um, she's an IEP coach for those of you who maybe have missed her episodes. We have her on, you know, back. You can check out those episodes. Um, and so when you work with kids, what setting are you working with them in? Um, I had experience working in the schools. Now I own my own practice. So I do in-home therapy with clients, um, but I am opening a clinic space hopefully this summer, um, aiming for June. So then I'll be seeing kids in, in that sort of space. But yeah, so I do um, private therapy in-home. And where are you located? Uh, Sacramento, California. So if anybody's looking for a private speech therapist <laughs> in yeah, Sacramento. We're very, very lucky to have her. <laughs> All those you. Northern California people, like, yeah, we're the lucky ones that get caught you. Because so. no one lives in Tucson, so <laughs> enjoy it. So you talk a lot about um, Gestalt language processors. And so how can, what are some of the, what's the word I'm looking for? Ways that a parent can identify if their child is a Gestalt language processor. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest one is if they're scripting or using delayed echolalia. So is your child re repeating movie lines, TV shows, songs, word for word? Um, are they repeating what they've heard someone else say, whether it's immediately or later, days, weeks, months later? Um, so that echolalia piece is definitely the biggest tell. Um, other things, uh, if they have difficulty answering questions, so perhaps they repeat the question back to you instead of giving you an answer, um, that is a big sign. But we can also tell or at least make an educated guess about non or minimally speaking students. Um, their media usage can tell us a lot about their language processing style. So a lot of these students whether or not they are speaking at all, will um, use YouTube videos or shows to communicate with us. Maybe they're playing a certain piece to communicate an idea. Or perhaps they just really like watching a certain clip over and over again. Most of my Gestalt processors consume media in that way. They really like um sameness and repetitiveness and um, hearing whatever is clicking for them um, repeatedly. So those are some indicators, um, as well as just using a lot of what may be labeled as jargon. Um, a lot of these students use, um, will be scripting, but it's not yet intelligible. So it sounds like jargon, but if we pay closer attention, it's really rich in intonation. And oftentimes we can pick out what song or movie line um, they're saying because it has that familiar intonation, whether or not we can hear the words. So um, these, these kids have really intonation-rich speech and emotion-rich um, speech a lot of the times, because that's what they're picking up on more than the the single words. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I would say there's like a, almost like a cadence to it at times. Yeah. Um, I can give a couple of personal examples if that's okay. If this would help anybody to, you know, as you're describing this, um, for Ruby, uh, my, my almost nine-year-old, she did a lot of that repeating the question back to you instead mm -hmm. of answering the question. That's kind of how we started out. And that's what, that was our first kind of cue for us instead of, okay, what shoes do you want to wear? She would say, 
shoes you want to wear, you know, she would maybe repeat that the second half of the question back to you instead of answering the actual question. Um, And so we would have to be very careful about how we phrased things in order to give her the proper language in order to, you know, answer appropriately. And then um, it's a lot. And then it, it kind of progressed into the the quoting of movie lines like mm-hmm. one of her favorite ones even now is from Alice in Wonderland during the tea party and the Mad Hatter is just putting all the different things into the the white rabbit's um watch he was like, butter and then jam and he's like slathering jam on the thing <laughs> and I, and I have to participate it's not just her repeating <laughs> it like I have lines too <laughs> that I have to say and it's this whole game and it and we just do it over and over and over again. And it's, it's pretty funny. And we end with mustard and, you know, mustard does not go in the watch. It's watch Alice in Wonderland <laughs> if you haven't in a while. Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's so interesting that, that, that can, and it, and it can be appropriate too for the situation sometimes, right? Too that, that echolalia, that delayed echolalia, like um, Ruby was doing an art project the other day and we needed to leave to go pick up brother from practice and, I said, Ruby, we got to hurry. You know, can you finish drawing that when you get home? And she turned to me and she goes, you can't rush art. (laughs) And that is a direct line from Toy Story 2, if you know your Toy Story Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, just some examples. Yeah. And it was very appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. And it was appropriate. Yeah. And sometimes that can be confusing for parents because – a lot of times these students have so many what I call gestalts or what you might know as scripts, but so many of these chunks of language built up in their repertoire that they're able to pull out things that are totally relevant. So it might not sound like scripting because it's not off topic. Um, it's very relevant to whatever's happening, but it's still technically um, delayed echolalia because it's word for word what they've heard before. But um yeah. And with that that Mad Hatter piece, it shows that these kids pick up on language that is really rich in emotion because I'm sure in that piece, it was really intense. He's like, he's hurrying, yeah. he's super into it. So she's picking up on that emotion piece um, more than anything else. So it, it makes sense that that's what her ear grabbed. Yeah, absolutely. And she, she even changes the cadence of her voice with a rise and fall mm-hmm. of like the pitch just like he does mm-hmm. like she, it's it's a true um, imitation of the whole experience it's not in ruby's voice it's in the mad hatter's voice so it's it's very fascinating and she'll even um it even goes as far as music she will listen to a soundtrack to a disney movie so which is like moana like just just the um not not the soundtrack the uh what's the other one the um not the words the uh oh, i'm blanking like on instrumentals it. Yeah, the instrumental. What's that called? Like the mm. uh, score. The uh, score. Score. Fancy. Come on, girls. Come on. Fancy. <laughs> no, um, like the score of music. So it's not during a speaking part of the show at all. And um, she'll turn to me and she'll be like, the waves are crashing over the ocean. And it's that part of the movie. Mm. She recognizes the score enough that she can even tell me what the image is during we're not watching the show we're in the car listening to the score it's kind of it's, it's amazing their how brains they can pick up are on wild like yeah these kids are amazing um yeah, yeah. Uh, my students blow my mind every day <laughs> it really is and you know it's funny because like i have i had heard of gestalts and you know gestalt language processors and i think lisa may have been the first person that brought it up to me even like it's that recent so it's just crazy to me that gracie is seven and a half she was diagnosed at two and it was like within the last year and a half that i'm just hearing about this and it's never been brought up before and then you had another reel like i'm just going to be a commercial for your reels (laughs) um you had another reel and they're all so informative and you were talking about how um because gracie is queen of she'll pull words from like a Mickey Mouse episode or she'll pull titles of Mickey Mouse episodes and just use them. And then one of the reels you had talked about how, you know, if you really pay attention to what they're watching, which how often do we really sit down and pay attention to what they're watching? um, If you can figure out 
what they're saying from that episode, you can actually nail down like it could be the emotion that they're trying to portray by using the words from that specific piece of the episode. And that has just got my brain exploding because now I find myself (laughs) constantly like trying to find the things that she's saying and then like, oh, where can I find that? Like on the YouTube thing that she's watching or um, just like there's so many keys to communication with her, I feel like. And so it's like, how can I pay better attention to what she is watching and repeating so that I can maybe communicate better with her? And so what are some like ways um, that you have found working with these kiddos that can help us to be better communicators for them? Yeah, well, that's really one of the most important ones for these kids who are still using a lot of scripts, a lot of delayed echolalia really in these initial stages of this process um, is doing that detective work, trying to figure out the underlying meaning. Because while some of these scripts can totally be used in context and the, the meaning is totally clear, most of them are not um, clear at surface level. So doing that work to figure out what emotion is tied to it, what are they truly trying to convey with that is huge. Um, One example that I love, I have a student who was saying, baby dear, baby dear, over and over. And parents were trying for weeks to figure out why she was saying baby deer. They bought her a Bambi stuffed animal. They were showing her (laughs) baby deer videos and nothing was quite satisfying what she was trying to convey. Um, And then one day it clicked for mom. Um, She was thinking about um, how this student stayed home from school one day and watched Bambi on repeat and um, it was a day when she was really sick. So now whenever that student is feeling not so great, she says baby deer because that baby deer gestalt, that chunk of language represents for her that whole sick day at home. Um, Mm -hmm. So so often these pieces of language that don't seem all that important are tied to something so much bigger for these kids. So now that I- How valuable to be able to piece that together. And now that we have that knowledge, we can model what she might really be wanting to say. I don't feel good. I'm sick. Um, so we can give her that language while also acknowledging the the baby deer piece as important. Um, so yeah, that that detective work piece is huge. And the thing that's wild to me too is like if those parents wouldn't have been working with you would they have known to further examine and further Mm. investigate that baby? Like, because that's like the first thing we do, right? Oh, you love baby deer. Let's buy you a baby deer. Let's watch videos. Like we don't immediately go to the fact that that may mean something entirely different to these kiddos. And it's just so valuable to know. And they may have never known if they wouldn't have been working with you or another, you know, therapist who studies the way that you study. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the important thing too is um it's it kind of go, goes back to a previous episode that we've published about connecting and joining and trying to meet your child where they're at and try to see your child through their particular way of looking at the world or or processing the world, right? And processing language. And um and it took it like that baby deer example, it wasn't immediate. It took some time to figure that out. And sometimes, you know, maybe we don't, we don't figure it out. And, and I think it's important to, for parents not to, I guess, get discouraged. Like we have to keep trying, right. And, and they're going to change and they're going to grow and learn more. And we're going to have to kind of meet them where they're at and keep, keep trying to find those pieces. We're like investig, you know, like private mm-hmm. detectives almost trying to piece together this puzzle mm-hmm. of what they mean well, sometimes. And so. one thing that I think about too is, you know, I feel like parents are already so overwhelmed, right? So it's like life is overwhelming. You know, maybe you have a family where both parents work, so you have limited time with your kiddo anyway. And then let's like throw in Gracie's thing where she's repeating certain things from certain Mickey Mouse episodes. And then I'm saying, okay, start paying attention to Mickey Mouse episodes so you can figure out what they mean. And I can imagine like some parents' heads exploding, like when do I have time to sit and 
watch every Mickey Mouse episode with my child. Um, so what would you say to like parents who are like that, that are like, I'm doing my best, but like, I, there's no way for me to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that brings a good point that over anything else, we just want our kids to be acknowledged as communicators and Mm -hmm. their language to be acknowledged as meaningful. So even if all you can do is say, yeah, I hear you. Um, I know you're trying to tell me something and I'm not sure what it is. That goes so much further than just not acknowledging it at all. And I think a lot of these students, um, don't get their echolalia acknowledged because, you know, well-meaning professionals um, encourage otherwise or whatever the case may be. But just just uh, acknowledging it is a huge start. So, yeah, it can be a lot of work to do that detective work piece. And we're not going to figure out every single um, meaning behind all the things they say. And some of these kids pick up um so much and kind of take new things and leave the old. So, um, but I would say if there's certain pieces that you're hearing repeatedly and really often, and they seem important, then maybe focus on those. But Mm -hmm. Katya, would you recommend, um, so I do that. I have my, my 16 year old is non-speaking and he does make a lot of vocalizations though. And some of them are fairly repetitive and, and every once in a while, there are certain sounds um, that seem more meaningful, mm. even though they're not necessarily, uh, I'm not able to like comprehend or understand exactly what he's communicating. I, I notice that there's a change. There's There seems to be more intent behind the vocalizations. And I will try to make eye contact if he's receptive to that. And I repeat, I just, I repeat those same sounds back to him. And I, and when I do that, I notice that there seems to be a recognition of almost as if, yeah, okay, okay, she's hearing me. Or there's a light up in his eyes. Like I get more of that that eye contact back sometimes. Um, is that, I, I don't know, I've never asked a professional if that's the <laughs> appropriate way to do that. Um, would you recommend something like that if someone else, you know, has a non-speaking child? Yeah, absolutely. Um Okay. Anytime you have a chance to build that connection, definitely yeah. take it. So yeah, I find most of my students respond well to that. If you're imitating their vocalizations, um, most seem to enjoy that. And um, it's a good chance to connect, even if it's not really you know helping to further their language development or anything. It's just purely connection, which yeah. is important. Yeah. There's such a range of where every child is, right? Whether that's completely non-speaking or needing other devices and adaptive material to help them all the way up to, you know, a typical child. Yeah. And at, speaking with their peers. Mm-hmm. And that can definitely bring up the conversation of how to support non-speaking gestalt processors as well, if mm-hmm. you want to dive into that. but We would love to dive into yeah. that. I think <laughs> that. We have a lot of our audience who also, you know, especially right now, their kiddos are non-speaking. Yeah. So the media piece is big. Um, and I mean, the first place to start is hopefully these students have some sort of picture communication, some sort of AAC that they're able to access to supplement there um, to kind of bridge that gap. So uh, I typically recommend uh, an AAC application that you can put on an iPad. Um, and some of my favorites are Touch Chat and Prolico to Go, just to name some um, good ones. Um, but these applications are really great, but they're not created for gestalt language processors. They're not created with them in mind because they're, they give single word output for the most part, you know, one button is one word. So these gestalt language processors who aren't really yet able to grasp the idea that single words have meaning and can be combined to create grammar um, when they're not there yet, they're still accessing language at the 
gestalt level at the more chunked level, um, it can be hard to access AAC. So mm-hmm. I recommend putting in um, gestalts into their device. Um, whether they're speaking or minimally speaking or non-speaking, it's um, can help them access these um, ideas that are meaningful to them. So, um, but with non-speaking students paying attention to their media um, usage can be super helpful. A lot of these kids are really meaningfully playing certain TV clips, YouTube clips to communicate. So, um, or maybe you're just hearing them watch one over and over, whatever it may be, taking those clips of interest and putting them into an AAC device and then using that alongside them to communicate those ideas as, you know, meaningful language can be super helpful. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, not only putting just normal chunked language that is more, um, general, like I'm hungry, let's go play. I need help. Um, putting those like a single button plays a whole phrase so that mm-hmm. it's more makes sense for their gestalt like brain. Um, but also putting those pieces of media in um, is super helpful. Yeah. And we actually did that with Gracie's one of her um, we so Gracie got an AAC device. We were able to get it covered by the state through her, you know, additional insurance and everything like that. And guys, AAC devices, they're alternative communication devices, and they're usually on a tablet. Um, Gracie's, for instance, is a Samsung tablet, and I think it's Nova Chat, which is, I think, a lot like Touch Chat. Um, Another thing to keep in mind is I know not everybody can get those covered. So um, I think it's ProLoquo to go like once or twice a year, they will put it on sale in the app store. Um, so keep your eyes open for that. Is it, was it Autism Awareness Month, Brittany? That is yeah, one of the month? usually in October they have sales and then one other time of the year they have sales. Yeah. Um, yeah. So April. we have yeah. ProLoquo to go, but yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember. Yeah. It, if if we notice the sale, we'll definitely chat yeah, about it. On we'll make Instagram. sure we put it on yeah. Instagram. But, it goes on sale because they are very expensive. So if you can get a deal on yeah. it. But I will say TD Snap is another mm-hmm. application that is really great. And it's only like $50. So much cheaper oh, than these nothing. like 300 plus apps. Um, mm-hmm. So TD Snap is a good one. And it has a lot of preloaded gestalts, a lot of preloaded um chunked language like it has a topics page so go to you know a park page and it has lots of these um phrases in the child's words like let's go play i like swinging time to swing Mm -hmm. um so it's it's, that's amazing it's actually a, a really great one yeah yeah, because Gracie's was never like that. We had to work with her speech therapist on adding yeah. different things like that. Um, and one thing that I found really interesting with Gracie is she's never because you know when you get the AAC device, like it's they look like pack cards, and it's like one word on each yeah. you know button. And um, Gracie just completely bypasses the button and she goes to the keyboard page and types exactly what. Yeah, she that's great. <laughs> so she just types the whole thing. So it's huge. It's just yeah. you know it's interesting how they all sort of make it their own way, like exactly how they want to do it, you know, but definitely super helpful. Check into um, your insurance, check into any state services that you guys may have. Um, It's hard for us to go into details because it's totally different depending on the state that you're in. Um, But just know that there are different ways out there to get it. So um, if you're in Arizona, reach out to me because I can help you with that (laughs) one. (laughs) Um, Brittany, you have anything on AAC devices or anything? You know, it's, AAC devices have been amazing for Austin, and we've we've had one for a very very long time. We started with a PEC system, which is the picture education. What picture is it? Picture exchange communication exchange. System. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's essentially just little you know. However, there can be in various sizes, um, little flashcards, and they can be one word, they can be a phrase, they could be a a real life photograph. It can be a drawing. It can be all, all sorts of different things. It could, it could be um, a, a full word typed out. And we, we've we had a varying amount of success um, with Austin over the years with those kinds of things. And um, a lot of times our AAC device serves just as a menu. 
because it, it, there's also a motivation factor you have to mm-hmm. consider when it comes to language and, and getting someone like Austin to communicate. Um, and then another caution, maybe something else to keep an eye on is using it to stem. Austin will navigate to certain pages or he'll touch certain sections of the iPad even of um, like the top right corner. It doesn't matter what the button is. He just hits the top right corner over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what it, it was really funny the other day. Somehow he ended up on a holiday page and he was just hitting Hanukkah, Hanukkah, Hanukkah over <laughs> and over and over again. And I just thought it was I'm like, okay, you have no idea. <laughs> it's not applicable to anything in your life, but you know, great. Good for you. Hanukkah, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it, but he was stemming on it. I think it was the sound. He was, he was liking the repetitive nature of the AAC device speaking for him and saying that over yeah. and over and over again. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, but that's not going to be meaningful to him or to us, you know, in long term. So um, there's just, I don't know, they can manipulate anything in any way <laughs> appropriately and inappropriately. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about stimming on the device though? Because I feel like please, we, please. Um, I get asked that a lot and it's pretty misunderstood. So I would say, yes, in that case, he probably is just liking that auditory input and that's totally okay. Um, But oftentimes when I introduce a device to a student, um, the parents will, or the teachers will tell me, oh, they're just stimming on it. Like it's not going to work for them. Um, And what they mean is they're pressing all the buttons. Um, So I try to explain that Using AAC is like learning a new language, right? So when when our kids learn to talk, they babble for a year before they're producing anything meaningful. Um, so that that exploration on the device, it might seem like they're just stimming and looking for that input, but oftentimes they're really babbling with the device. They're learning where everything is. They're taking it all in. So it's actually really great when that happens. And I try to encourage giving lots of time for that to just be that. Um, But some things we can do to help progress it from that to using it in a more meaningful way is really treating that what we may see as stimming as really meaningful. So if they are pressing, um, you know, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, responding to it like they're trying to communicate with you, even if maybe they're not. Yeah. Yeah. I love ice cream too. Maybe we can get some ice cream. What kind do you like? So really um, treating it as meaningful because at first these kids don't know that this is a communication system. They're just like, what is this? Let me check it all out. But if we're treating it as communicative, um, then they will very likely move past the stage where they're just pressing all the buttons and get to a, a point where they can really use it. So that stimming is is good. It's, it's exploration. It is is Um, good. Yeah. I'm feeling very validated right now because we do that. And, and you just made me feel really good about how, how I'm handling that kind of situation because it does, it can be repetitive and sometimes it is possibly meaningful and I can't necessarily discern. So I'm going to treat all of it as if it is, I'd rather err on that side of, of my, and even his language, if he is vocalizing something and it sounds similar to a word, I am going to treat it as if he is speaking to me and and try to encourage him to continue to yeah. do that. Um, and I think that's really, really important. And it, we have to allow them to explore and learn and, and try it out. Yeah. And it, it doesn't all have to be perfect or meaningful. I'm sure we all say non-meaningful things all the time, especially as children, right? Like not everything we say is some profound, wonderful, perfect communication or language like we're allowed to just speak yeah (laughs) so i have a question for you katya just you know since we're all seeking validation as parents here um (laughs) just like a wonderful therapy session i know right um so and i'm just wondering this may resonate with someone else so gracie they actually still consider her non-speaking which i feel like is not really applicable anymore because she is pretty dang communicative, but there are times where she will try to request things verbally. And I have a very difficult time under like there's, I know 99% of the words she's trying to say, but that 1%, she will say something to me. Um, and I am lucky enough that I can 
hand her her AAC or I can give her like my phone with a notes app and say, can you type that for mama? You know, and she'll type exactly what she wants. So when that happens, I try to validate her and I'm like, I can tell you know exactly what you want. Do you mind typing it for mommy? And she'll type it for me and then we'll go from there. But is there a better way maybe to approach the fact that I don't understand what she is trying to say, like while still empowering her, I don't ever want her to feel like, oh, well, you're not saying it good enough, mm-hmm. right? Like I can't understand you because you're not being clear. So what is the way that I can communicate to her and empower her without maybe making her feel bad that it's not understandable? I mean, I think you're approaching it just how I would. Um, okay. Yeah. You're telling her that you're trying to understand and she's, she's, trying her hardest. Um, but here's mm-hmm. a way that we can bridge that gap. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's great. Okay. Um, cool. Because I always do second guess myself. Yeah. Like, is that the best way to do this? I just don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. And I'm, I am a hundred percent like very clear how blessed I am that Gracie can type. Yeah. So like extremely thankful for that in so, so many ways. But even uh, if they, yeah, I'm, I'm super jealous. <laughs> yeah. But even if a child can't type, they can you can still use the AAC to bridge the gap. And I mean, that's Mm -hmm. why I try to get a device for pretty much all of my students, because there are so many times where even if the student is speaking a ton and can say whatever they want, sometimes when we're stressed or upset, it's harder to access language and the AAC can Mm -hmm. bridge the gap during those times. Or yeah, sometimes they talk a lot, but some things are not super intelligible. So then we can use the AAC to bridge the gap, um, whether they're pressing a button or typing or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, it, it can be beneficial for uh, speaking kids as well. Yeah, I have noticed because Gracie does get frustrated sometimes. Um, and so the AAC and typing has been a really good bridge for that because it gives her a way to get across what's going on without her having to really, because she has apraxia too. So it's like struggling to get, she knows exactly what she wants to say, but getting it out is, I can't even imagine how like frustrating that could be. So um, definitely AAC. Yeah. And when it comes with apraxia, I mean, so many autistic students have difficulty um, with motor speech. So really getting their body to say what they want to say. Um, So I have a lot of students who are speaking and say a lot of single words that get their point across, but using the AAC device to access these more, um, these scripts, these longer phrases that they're not able to coordinate with their mouth yet um, Mm -hmm. is a great way to, again, bridge that gap. and give them all the communication that they're wanting to access and maybe can't, even though they know what they want to say. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so many, so many benefits of it. And for those who don't know what apraxia is, I think the easiest way I've ever had it described to me and stop me if this is wrong. Um, one speech therapist said, what we don't think about is we know exactly what we want to say in our brain, but we do not ever think about all of the processes that have to happen to get it out of our mouths. Yeah. And apraxia is just sort of that disconnect and nobody can see me because I'm like touching all over my face. <laughs> um you know, getting it from your brain and out of your mouth and all of the things that have to happen in the meantime. So it just takes our kiddos longer to do that processing. Yep. That's exactly how I describe it. They know they want to say apple, but the brain has a hard time telling the mouth how to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, something that's so misunderstood about autism in general is that there's an apraxia is a motor disorder. So And so many autistic kids and adults have motor issues in their whole body. So it it affects more than speech. Sometimes it doesn't affect speech at all, but it affects your body. Usually it kind of goes hand in hand. But a lot of these kids um, get labeled as noncompliant or something similar because they can't get their body to do what you're asking it to do in that moment. Um, they can't get their mouths to say what they know they want to say in that moment. And I think that's really um, something that's misunderstood uh, or not mm-hmm. given its full weight. But um, most mm-hmm. kids uh, experience that to some degree 
And yeah, it's an important thing to acknowledge and be aware of. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of a jump because there's a couple things I want to make sure that we talk about um, in the episode. And that is um, you talk about, you know, about affirming, being affirming. And um, the other thing I want to touch on is yet another reel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh my God, Shannon's talking about a reel again. But you had a great reel <laughs> where you were playing with cars with one of your mm-hmm. students. And um, I think a lot of times when we're jumping into play, and this kind of goes, we just released an episode on connecting and joining your child and ways to engage with them and play with them. And um, a lot of times we jump in with a lot of questions where it's like, oh, what are you doing? What are you playing? Oh, what is that car doing? Who's driving the car? Um, And we tend to jump in that way. And you had a great way of jumping into play that had almost no questions Mm. at all. Like you just really jumped right in and you were driving the car with them and making fun noises. And um, so I think what are some tips to like really joining and, you know, connecting with our kiddos in play that are affirming, you know, to the way that they learn and the way that they function? Yeah. I mean, if we're just looking at the, are you trying to talk specifically about the language input piece during play? Yeah. I, I think that there's that, but then the way that you jumped in on that reel was very like, you were happy to be there, you were happy to be playing, and you weren't asking mm-hmm. a ton of them. Like you were- Placing joining, demands. Yeah, yeah, you were joining in and you were using language, but you weren't demanding anything back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, with gestalt language- if they're in the early stages, so they're using a lot of delayed echolalia, they're picking up on um, exactly what others are saying. We really want to think about using declarative language, which basically just talking about what's going on, not questioning, because we really want to build up their repertoire of these gestalts, these chunks of language that they have. So I'm just thinking about modeling what I think the child might want to say so that hopefully maybe they'll imitate some of it learn that chunk of language, keep it with them and be able to use it. So if I'm playing cars, I'm not modeling, you know, um, which car do you want? Um, I'm more so modeling. I like this one. Let's play together. Let's race. Um, What else would would the kid maybe want to say, hmm, I'm going fast. I'm going to beat you. Um, Trying to feed them that language that they can then pick up and use that'll be meaningful to them. Um, but also just giving a lot of pause time so that they can truly give you, they can lead the play and you're following, but also they can lead the the language and have that space to fill in what whatever they're wanting to say. Um, yeah, sometimes. I think that's so, so important. And there's so many examples on your Instagram of that. I would really encourage people to go to that Reels tab and just watch some of them to get an idea of some, I don't know, I think it's just really, really great um, speech therapy and appropriate for joining your child, meeting them where they're at, and then building upon it in an appropriate way. I, I have a question for you. If you could kind of describe I, what what is the typical age age range that you work with um, right now, or is it a wide variety? Yeah, of kids. I mean, most are age like three to eight, but I even work with Gestalt processors who are thirty years old. So it's kind of a okay a big spectrum, but mainly younger elementary, maybe the younger guys. Yeah, and so. If you could describe, a lot of our listeners are maybe just starting out on this, and maybe they have never even been to a speech therapy session. Can you kind of give us, I I know there's a wide range of different things, and you're meeting the child where they are, but like a typical typical speech therapy session. What does that look like? What what do you do? What does the child do? What does the parent do? You know? Um, So I focus... I work only with Gestalt language and that's really my focus. So it, it'll look totally different if you're working on speech sounds or um, what have you, but I mainly work with the Gestalt language and then AAC. So um, it really depends on what stage this student is yeah. um, in the language learning process, which 
we haven't even touched on the stages that might be helpful, but um, yeah, let's, yeah. But for me, it's really child led. So the child picks what we do. Um, often they'll pick the same toy every time because we know these kids love sameness. And once they know, okay, this is what speech therapy looks like. This is what speech therapy is going to look like every time if it's up to them, which is okay mm-hmm. as long as there's language happening. But I try to um, present, you know, one thing that I know they like and then one new thing and see maybe they'll um, give that a chance as well. But um, they choose the toy or activity. And then, like I said, I'm really just modeling language either verbally or on the AAC device or both um, and just modeling what. I, what is relevantly coming up and um, what I think they would want to say in that moment. So hopefully they're, they're able to, to pick that up, but sometimes there'll be more specific goals. Like I really want this child to be able to self-advocate. So we're going to really focus on saying stop and no, I don't like that during the session. Um, But uh, in my particular sessions, the child um, doesn't really know that they're, working. We're just playing and they're hearing a lot of language input. Um, there's never any demands to use the AAC device or repeat after me. Um, it's more so just feeding them um, this input and hoping that whatever is important to them will stick. Um, and then, you know, parent coaching to give those that language input as well and make connections through play and such. But um, yeah. I think that's so important too. We're all motivated by what we are attracted to or that we enjoy, right? And to use that, especially with a child is, I think it's just so much more effective and more long lasting. You're going to be able to build on that. I just think that play approach, I just think is, is huge. Um, As opposed to sitting at a desk and just (laughs) repeating things back and forth and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, and if you're working with a kiddo like Gracie, if she's not motivated, she's just not going to do it. Like it's, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, you're either, it's her way or the highway. Yeah. And <laughs> so you better a big get thing board. I've learned from doing behavioral therapy and realizing that it's not my cup of tea, at least the language piece um, is because mm-hmm. it is so prompted. And for Gestalt language processors who I don't think I mentioned this, but at least 85% of autistic students are Gestalt language processors. So pretty much all of our kids um, learn language in this way. And if we're giving them um, a lot of prompts, like we see in behavioral therapy or with speech therapists who use a more behavioral or structured approach, these kids often just memorize those prompts. Um, If I'm asking them a question over and over, they're like, they're learning the desired response that I want, but it's not natural. Um, Or for example, if I'm using something that's much more structured, like um, I want phrases, which I'm sure a lot of your kids have um, been taught at some point, those get really stuck because they're not natural. Um, Yes, they can use them to get what they need, but it doesn't develop into something more where if we're modeling truly what they want to say in the moments, what's more natural, what a kid would actually say um, if they were unprompted, it, it develops into something more. Um, yeah. So would you say, because Gracie got very, and I can imagine this is with a lot of our kids, Gracie got very stuck on the, I want, like when we were really trying to work with, um, sign with her too, it was easy because she, when she sees the sign and hears the word, it sticks. There's something with the two mm-hmm. of them together for her. Um, so she got very into, I want, I want, mm-hmm. I want. And so now trying to work with her to give her different language for those. So like, you know, Oreo, please, mom, or mom, can I have a cookie? Or, you know, just trying to give her different ways to say the same thing. What is a way um, that you would maybe coach a parent to do something like that if our kid is stuck with that? Um, I try to model more open-ended comments and something with a lot of emotion because that's what these kids pick up on. So maybe instead of 
I want Oreos. You can model, I love Oreos or Oreos are yummy. Um, time for Oreos, uh, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I can see Gracie running through life for Oreos. <laughs> it's always time for Oreos. It is always. And the gluten-free ones, friends, they taste better than the regular, I'm just saying. Um, and that's just coincidence. Um, okay, so let's talk stages then since we have yeah, – I probably least. should have prefaced with this because it really – once you understand the stages that these um, kids go through, that, that Gestalt language processors go through – the input that we're giving them makes a whole lot of sense. So to put it super basically, there's four main stages that these kids move through. The first stage is that delayed echolalia piece, that scripting. And then the last stage is self-generated grammar. So they're putting words together to create their own sentences. They're talking, um, they're able to say whatever they want. They're able to to build whatever they want. Um, so how do we get them there? And that's moving them through the stages. Uh, so that's my main goal in therapy is to determine what stage the child's in and how can we get them to the next one. Um, so stage one is that delayed echolalia. So if they're repeating a line from someone else or even a word that they've heard from someone else and it's a delayed echo, um, that would count as a stage one. And then in stage two, they start to become a little more flexible with these phrases. So you may have heard your child do this and just didn't really know that they were going through this process, but perhaps they picked up on that um, gestalt, that chunk that we model for them, time for Oreos. But now they're changing it up and saying, time for spaghetti or time for school. Um, if they are changing a piece of that original chunk of language, they're making a stage two, what I call a mitigation or a mix and match. So um, mm -hmm. they're being a little more flexible with their gestalts, with these chunks of language. Um, and it's an exciting time because they can be even more on topic and relevant um, with their language than they were before. And kids can get really good at this. So sometimes it's it doesn't even sound like they are still using these chunks of language. It sounds very much their own because they're really good at it. Um, but that's kind of the first step to freeing up these this these scripts that they have. Um, but to get them there, we have to build them up with a lot of scripts. So that's why I start with modeling a lot of phrases, a lot of chunked language, because they're not going to move to that stage where they're mixing and matching and breaking these apart until they have enough in their repertoire to work with. So we get them a ton of chunked language, a ton of scripts, a ton of gestalts, and then they start breaking them apart in stage two. Um, once they're breaking them apart a lot, they're chain mixing and matching all these um, chunks of language. Then they're going to start pulling out single words. And this is the first time that they're really beginning their grammar building journey. So before then, these kids might have picked up on some single words, but they're not seeing them as building blocks for language. But once they get to stage three and they're pulling these single words out, then they're seeing them as building blocks for language. And once they have enough single words pulled out, they can move to truly building grammar with those, the later stage, stage four and beyond. Um, so it's a word vomit, but basically they start with these big chunks of language and slowly mix and match them and break them down. And then, and only then can they build their own grammar. So we really have to start with feeding them this um, chunk level language that makes sense to them um, before they're ready to work on grammar or anything more complex, like answering questions. Um, we really have to start at that basic level of just feeding them this language that um, we're hoping they'll pick up. I love this. And this is so helpful. And my brain wants to explode. <laughs> and I do have, because <laughs> Grace, I do a have a way. real explaining this. Um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Go figure. She has <laughs> another really good reel, you guys. Um, I love this because Gracie does struggle with answering mm -hmm. questions. Um, and so that's, you know, before the recording, I was telling you guys yesterday, she answered a couple questions and it was like mind-blowing, exciting, dancing in the kitchen yeah. kind of deal. Um, so I love this because it gives us a way to 
work, to work towards that. Um, And so I want people to be able to find you. I want people to be able to reach out to you. Um, What is the best way for people to reach out to you? Um, I answer all of my Instagram DMs, so you can definitely message me there. Um, On my website, totalspectrumspeechtherapy.org, you can find my email and such if that if you want to do something more formal but yeah okay so we're gonna make sure that we link all of that in our show notes so that everybody can find you um and would that be the best if somebody wants to work with you because they're lucky enough to be in the sacramento area is that yeah on the website you can um sign up for a free consult call and we'll get you scheduled Okay. And then what if there are humans like me who are like, well, crap, I live in Tucson. Do you offer like online parent coaching or is there anything like that? Yeah. Um, I offer Zoom coaching. Well, it's kind of a one-off coaching deal usually. So we can meet, talk about Gestalt language, figure out where your child's at, um, how to best support them um, where they're at. So yeah, I offer Zoom calls and you can book those um, in the link in my Instagram bio. Um, yes. And I also have a team. Um, so I offer teletherapy throughout California. If you're not in Sacramento, I also have a team member in San Diego who does in-home therapy. Um, and then I have a team member who does teletherapy all over. I think she's in New York, Massachusetts, Um where else? I have it listed on my website. She's covers quite a mm-hmm. few states. So yeah, um, hopefully we'll be able to help you in some way. But um, I also recommend, can I recommend a couple websites? Um, please, please. Marge Blanc is a speech therapist who really did a ton of the underlying um, research and work in this area um, in Gestalt language. And her website is communicationdevelopmentcenter.com. And on there, she has tons of free videos, explanations of each stage that I just described um, in much more detail, videos, examples of each stage, and then links to every single article, podcast, research article that's like ever been created on um, the subject. So it's a great place to to go. Mm-hmm. Um I also love the Meaningful Speech course, which um, there's a parent, it's available to parents. And I think most of my parents have told me that it's um, basic enough that they were able to learn a lot from it and implement strategies with their child. So if you're trying to really like become a speech therapist for your child, I definitely recommend that course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just want to encourage other parents like, if for whatever, we would encourage you to go check out Katya's stuff, of course, and and try to connect with her. If that's just not possible for you for insurance or whatever reason it is, and this is resonating with you, look around you, look at those local speech therapists and those available, you know, those resources that are available to you and try to find something similar. There's There's so many out there and it's just like any doctor or any specialist or any any form of anything. There's a wide range, right, of varying styles and approaches and um, and research out there, and and find what makes sense for your child and for your your ideology on it. And and if you find somebody, you can always say no and find somebody else. Absolutely. You know, like be curious and search and look around. And there's there's a lot of great yeah. stuff. And out if there. you are looking yeah. for a therapist who's had training in working with Gestalt language. Um, Meaningful Speech is an Instagram page, but they have a website as well. And they have a registry on the website that lists every therapist that's taken that course. So essentially, every therapist that has been trained to work with Gestalt language processors. And just because your therapist isn't on there doesn't mean that they don't have training, but it's a good place to to find someone if you're looking for someone with that specific training. Yeah. It's a great place to start. Yeah. Thank you. I pulled it up and I'm like, oh, I already follow them. Okay. (laughs) Doing this in real time here. Okay, ladies, any final thoughts? We good? I didn't forget anything. 
no, I, I'm just, I'm so grateful you're here, Katya, and, and speaking to us and letting us kind of use our children as examples to maybe, you know, trigger some things or connect other parents to me. Oh, oh yeah, my kid does that. Oh, my kid doesn't quite do that. Like, that's the reason why we want to share our own personal experiences mm-hmm. on here is to to help maybe other parents realize that maybe this is right for them or or yeah. or not. So, um, and you're just a fountain of knowledge and we love your approach and your, um, your ideology with all of this. We think it's, we think it's the way you <laughs> Thank should Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, the personal stories are always so helpful. Um, I could have talked to you for hours. So thanks for having me on. It was super fun. I'm already trying to figure out how we get you back. So we'll talk about that well, later. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think she's going to have a choice. I think we're just going to make her come back. You yeah, especially once you get your clinic open. We would love to maybe yeah. talk about that some more sometime. All right, guys. So we're going to wrap up for the day because we are almost at that one hour mark. But um, go and leave a review, Apple, Spotify, wherever it is that um, – you listen to your podcast, we would love to hear from you. We would love a review. It just helps us get this awesome information out to even more parents because unfortunately everything runs on algorithms. And if we're not getting reviews, then nobody's going to hear all of this amazingness that Katya just had to share with all of us. So go and leave a review. Make sure you follow Katya at Boho Speechy on Instagram. And we will catch you back here soon. See you later. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.